You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. This is The Running Public's Training Tuesday. Training Tuesday is where we talk about training only. One topic, we dive deep, we explore it completely. It's training, it's Tuesday. Training Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Kirk, I, I'm just about ready to retire from running. That's not true. You're just getting started again. <laughs> I I think I think I'm ten years older than the last time I came back from injury. That's what my body feels like. What <laughs> why? How how are you feeling? Like I do something bigger and the for the rest of the day I'm shot. Like achy knees that restless leg feeling Mm -hmm. I've had like five of the last seven days and I'm not doing excessive volume or intensity. I just can't handle anything. But that's because you have had like this stimulus is new to you again and you need to build up resistance to that stimulus and it just sits in those old bones a little longer. And that's the thing. I've done these rebuilds before from longer hiatuses. Hiatusy? Uh, hi- hiatus. What is a plural hiatus? Uh, but did I tell you? Remember when we we've had this conversation about menis- meniscus? Mm-hmm. It's menisci. In case you're wondering, multiple meniscuses is menisci. Yeah. Well, this is hiatus. Then I've had multiple <laughs> hiatus. <laughs> and is that redundant to say multiple diet hiati? That's like saying multiple deers. No, that's totally tracks. I'm, I'm following regardless. Well, I followed this plan before and it's never rocked me like this. And the other hiati have been longer or more intensive. So I don't, I don't know what's happening. I just feel like I, I maybe even skipped middle age now with this and I'm just old. Nah, you're just, you, know, you haven't adapted yet. And so you're in that beat up phase before adaptation occurred. But that's a tough phase to be in, Bracken, because you feel like junk and it's never going to happen. And then in a week or so, or maybe later this week, all of a sudden you'll pop a workout that feels pretty dang good. And you'll be like, well, that was weird. Where'd that come from? It came from a dad. I don't know. I watched. No, it... <laughs> Tell me what's interesting. Well, that like restless legs syndrome you talk about where like you're sitting there and your foot needs to tap and all that. And it's like. You're antsy, but then you go to run and your legs are dead. And it's weird because it's like, feels like the surplus of energy would cause your leg to just dance, right? While you're sitting there and you're bouncing your leg around. But then when you go to work out, you feel like crap. It's like an interesting dynamic there. And I wonder why that is. I'm sure somebody could explain that, but. And that's not exactly how mine feels. So maybe it's not restless legs where it just aches sitting there. Oh, that's not what I'm thinking. I get, I need to get off my feet but they're just achy laying there. Like I can't find a comfortable position for them. Mm, That's that like good dead leg feeling after big workouts. Yeah, but it's happening after just normal things. Hmm. I watched UFC this weekend. Luke Rockhold came back, hasn't fought in three years. He's 37 years old, which is considered getting old in mixed martial arts. And he looked the part. Still jacked, still lean, still nasty looking and within two minutes was so gassed and starting to get beat up in the second round maybe he made it to the third before he did it he put his hands on his thighs in the middle of the fight 
It was so bad. And that, he after the, the fight, he retired. And he just said, I'm just too old. My body just doesn't want this anymore. And I sat there like, oh, no. <laughs> I think that's me. He looked how I felt after these non-massive workouts. So I'm just in a little woe is me stage here. But uh, I went through and just pared down this training block. I just chopped things out just decided what is the minimum viable mm. uh, product here? What's the minimum effective dose I can put on paper and complete and feel good physically? Like forget trying to do more. I'm like, this is now baby, baby training for me because and maybe it'll turn around in two weeks and I can add back in, but I'm a, I'm a, a crippled old man right now, Kirk. It will come around and it always comes around and you're not that old, but damn it. When you're in that phase, it's hard to see past it for sure. Oh. Yeah. And it doesn't take as much stimulus to really knock you over either. Um, when you're coming back and not only that, but there's a difference between being injured and cross training hard through something and getting sort of metabolic stimulus. And then there's a difference between not being able to push too hard when you go to the bathroom because you're not allowed to work in even that capacity. And that's what you had gone through. And that's tough, man. I remember, oh God, I've been a big advocate of cross training through injury. And I think it's part of my success now is I've never, I've never had an injury that's caused me to have to uh, take completely off in recent times. But there was a time in which that had happened a few years back. And coming back was like, it was horrible. It was like I had never worked out in my entire life and it felt that way for a month or two and my metrics were so slow and it was terrible and it was like, what on earth happened? And that was my one experience without about a month off of nothing. And you've had a couple bouts of those now. Yeah. So of course, Brack, and of course, there's a big difference between training through injury and being out, out. And you've been out, out. I think that was the toughest part. Yeah. Usually when you're hurt, you strength train a bunch. And come out really strong and then you just add back in or uh, i mean what are my go-to's skier rower assault bike spin bike power hiking i couldn't do any of those and so yeah it just i'm a vegetable but enough enough woes me let's have an update though next week i bet you you'll be riding high it's one of those oh, things i, think like, I need more than a week. <laughs> the corner turns very quickly man it really does you know it does i know it's coming it is but there is no light currently because the tunnel is has several <laughs> turns in it. Apparently, I got I got the shoulder. If you need to cry on one bracken, I I will. I just about cried after a workout this weekend. Oh shucks. Well, you uh you had a topic you wanted to talk about today. We got like yes. five in the hopper here, and um we flipped a coin basically, and this is the one that came up. So uh, why don't you set us up here? Later means never. There were probably a half dozen instances in one week where I was dealing with either people I coach, people who were having a consult with me, or just messages or interactions in person. I talked to some people at DECA. I got some emails and messages afterwards. And the common thread was people who were in their pattern of putting something off and finally coming to grips with the fact that they know they're lying to themselves. They just never get it done. That, all right, I'm going to start on Monday. Fresh start on Monday. 
or I'll hit this workout after work. It's too early this morning. Or I'm not ready for this race this year. I was signed up, but I postponed till next year because I don't have my mountain legs in me. But next year, I'm going to be ready to rock. And every single time, unless you are the rare, rare exception, when you put something off to do it later, it means you're never going to do it. I have about a dozen examples of that with athletes in the last week or two as well. Two in particular um, who are driving me nuts. Yeah. If they think about it, they can probably guess who they are. But um, Or pushing a workout back a day. Like, oh, I waited until I pushed it off till nighttime, and then I got home from work and was so tired, and then I'm going to do it tomorrow. And maybe they do do it tomorrow, but then it pushes everything back for the week, and pretty soon they're left with workouts to be done, and the week isn't over, yet they have a training plan to start the next week, and now they're behind, and what do you do? And they either cram in stimulus or they just skip over stimulus and move on. And it becomes a damn disaster. Yes. Freaking people. It's like a traffic jam. If you Mm -hmm. even get it in, you're causing a traffic jam. Where you tap your brakes slightly and a mile and a half behind you, people are stopped for two minutes. Those are your future workouts. Yeah. So, I mean, best case scenario is you do get it done. But you've now compromised something else because most people don't have the freedom of schedule that you and I have, where if we really want to push something back a day, we can rearrange the next 11 days. Most people are bound by the weekdays and the weekends and things must abide by those rules. So later generally does mean never. And it is shocking, both with myself, because this isn't me standing up on a pulpit. This is me preaching to the choir, looking at myself on the screen here, because I've I've been hamstrung by this for years. So myself and others, it's shocking how long it takes before we realize we're just, we're pulling the wool over our own eyes. We're deceiving ourselves. We truly believe at some level that, yeah, I actually will get this done later. And it takes years oftentimes for people to finally realize, you know what I think my weakness is? When I procrastinate it, I don't get it done. Never. You never get it done. I want to pull something up. While you do that, I talked with someone the other day who is in a position of hiring and firing and discipline. They're kind of HR-ish in nature. And they were just kind of lamenting the fact that it's hard to find good workers right now. It's difficult to find people who will show up stay off their phone, handle business, and handle critique. Like it is, you don't want to be that old head who just laments the loss of better times, but it is a bit of a softer generation emotionally, currently. People are are less likely to take hard truths of of the up-and-coming workforce right now. That's just what bosses around the, 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 the country are noticing. And... They just kept going on and on about how they just keep having to let people go or they have to call people in and be like, hey, you know, you can't do this or you missed this deadline, blah, 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 on and on, on and on. And what I realized is that that's what we're missing as athletes. Once you leave high school or college or whatever structured, organized sport you have, there isn't a head coach or someone in HR or kind of like a hard ass boss anymore. Who's going to get on your case when you miss a deadline? And yeah, I'll do it later. In the corporate world, if you didn't do it later, someone would chew you out ASAP. But no one's mm-hmm. chewing us out when we miss our workout or when we have to postpone our race because our mountain legs aren't there. We're our own boss on it, and we are generally not to be trusted with our own self-regulation. 
And that, that, that conversation with him was like, yeah, we, we need to find a way of having a boss who is a hard ass, who's going to nail us when we postpone and miss a deadline. And you know, sometimes, uh, I, I've had a few of these and maybe you do too, but you get an athlete who hires you in hopes that you will be that person for them, right? Like I am struggling to string together good training. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't seem to get motivated. Let me pay you to build that in for me. But even something like that wears thin, mm-hmm. uh, as you notice. And so a lot of people will try to put a bandaid extrinsic, like let's uh, outsource my motivation and my plan to something else or somebody else or come up with this new goal, new flashy goal. Mm-hmm. But ultimately it still comes right back to them. Like eventually like pleasing me isn't going to be enough. Pleasing you isn't going to be enough. Their goal they created for themselves a race off six months. It's a character flaw. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's a character flaw that can be fixed through discipline. Absolutely. I'm not going to provide that motivation for you. Your new race isn't going to provide that motivation for you. Eventually that alarm goes off when you don't want to wake up and it becomes on you. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's the tricky part because people think it's not that way. The ones who struggle with it think it comes from somewhere else and they're actually wrong. Comes from right inside your loins. Ultimately. It it does. There is Mm -hmm. a litany of excuses that pour out. And again, please do not take this personally because I have struggled with this myself. I'm either locked in or I flip through workouts. I am one or the other. Well, nobody can take it personally. We're not naming names here, are we? Unless you want to. You wouldn't think (laughs) so, except if you're the person who's making excuses in every issue in your life or in your relationships or in your diet or in your work relationship with others is always the other person's fault. You're going to find reasons that what I'm saying and what you're saying do not reflect on you and are inappropriate or unfounded or whatever it is. That people who are good deceivers are good for a reason is because they're consistent. They're across the board. It's everyone around them but themselves. Well, and they're master manipulators and they happen to Mm -hmm. be master manipulators of themselves as well. And that's the confusing part. I want to, I want to play something. Okay. So I have uh, Instagram pulled up and I'm going to be the first to say that I hate this TikTok trend, like people talking over other people's voices and this whole thing. I, it drives me absolutely insane Yeah, for no reason, but to just do it. Uh, And I know a lot of you out there do it and I'm probably offending you, but oh my God, it's garbage content. However, there are a few gems in there and uh, you know who Nick O'Sully is? No, Nick Nick Sullivan, no Sully, yes. Sully. I don't know his his name. He's a good follow, uh, and he does these these voiceovers. Anyways, he he had this one yesterday or last week, and I'm just gonna play it. I don't know how the audio is gonna come across, but we're gonna try this, okay? Yeah. And it sucked. I saved this. I rarely saved save anything. I want to give him credit. I think am I motivated to go do what I'm supposed to do? No, I don't think about it for one millisecond. When the alarm clock goes off, I have no thought about whether this is easy, whether this is hard, whether I want to do it, whether I don't want to do it. None of that matters. That's simple. Did you hear that again? When I wake up in the morning, I don't think, am I motivated to go do what I'm supposed to do? No, I don't think about it for one millisecond. When the alarm clock goes off, I have no thought about whether this is easy, whether this is hard, whether I want to do it, whether I don't want to do it. None of that matters. What do you think of that? I like that. We are emotional beings by nature but sometimes they're not worth listening to 
We are in a day and age of really, really exploring what we feel and why we feel it and what it means, what the ramifications for our our lives and our next moves in our lives are. And that is all well and good in many forums. In forums where work needs to be done, regardless of how you feel, it actually is a healthy thing to ignore your feelings. And that isn't always a popular thought and and blanket statements I don't like. And, and how do you feel is one of those. Sometimes it doesn't matter how you feel. When it needs to be done, it doesn't matter how you feel. It just, it gets done. It doesn't matter how you feel. That's so true, man. It's like, how come you can drag your ass out of bed to go to a job that you feel at best average about? And go do these things you don't want to do every day. Half of you listening, go drone through your lives and and get to work and force it. And you know you don't love it, but you have other parts of your life you love. And you work so you can enjoy the life outside of work. But you spend 8 to 12 hours of your day working. And somehow you get up, put your shoes on, drive to work and do that. And you don't even get enjoy a whole lot of enjoyment other, out of it other than obviously money, which I know is a big motivator. But then you have something that you're sp- supposedly passionate about and better yourself in life. And for some reason, like you can't. You can't like turn the dial towards that mm-hmm. in the morning. And it's it's a little bit baffling to me. But that thing I just played, maybe it's not going to stick or it doesn't sound very profound to most people, but it is so simple and you are so right. Like detaching from emotion, like you're, you're giving yourself outs by feeling certain ways about things, excitement, apathy, um, dread, um, v- vigor, all those things are driving factors into your decision to or to not work out. But when it becomes not a decision, it's like that's when you've made it. And the only way to do that is you can't do that day one. You can't be like, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to be motivated. It starts today. It has nothing. That is the wrong approach. It's like wake up. I don't know how I'm going to feel. and doesn't matter because it's going to get done. And I've said this before, but, you know, people think they start with the motivating and then the doing follows, and it's actually the opposite. You start with the doing and the motivation follows. That is very true. And so disassociating your feeling uh, is absolutely key. And you touched on that great with saying the emotional piece because you just got to detach, brother. You got to detach. One thing that I've had people come up to and talk to me about or come up in meetings or consults or whatever was what you said back in the day about sleep. Hmm. Where waking up early and starting something or getting better sleep. And your comment was, you can't wait until you're refreshed to start your sleep pattern. You have to force your body into the sleep pattern. Yeah. And it's either a miserable, terrible, just like poisoning toxic process where you feel poisoned all the time. Or you can just say, this is the process. Let's make the best of it. And I felt that in Ireland when I couldn't sleep. I got rocked by the time zone and I made a catastrophic error on morning number one. I was up until three or four in the morning and I drifted off and I woke up and smelled pancakes cooking. And I'm like, all right, it's like six or seven in the morning because my parents are early risers. They're making stuff for the kids. I'm just going to close my eyes for another like half hour. Well, it turned out they were doing breakfast for lunch. It was noon. I had slept from like 5 a.m. to noon and I should have been up well, maybe it was 11 a.m. And I slept another hour. And now I had no chance. I, my biorhythms were all thrown off and I couldn't sleep for the next five days. But on like day three or four of it, I finally said, hey, this is what it is. I'm going to stay up and watch movies. I'm going to catch up on things. I'm going to watch races. I'm going to do some work. And then life got a whole lot better. Even though I was physically miserable, mentally, I was okay with the process. 
Like, yeah, this is what it is. Let's just force it back good again. And that's how you have to start. You have to say, it's going to be bad. So let's just, let's just get done with it. You can't wait until it's right. You have to make it right through force. Well, waiting till it's right means later means never. Never. Right. It, it, this, that came up with a gentleman named Robert at the gym who mm-hmm. was struggling with sleep horribly. And he walked in. I mean, his bags under his eyes went down to his lips. Like, this guy walked in and looked tired. <laughs> I mean, like, he's, he's hunched imagery. <laughs> he was hunched over the poor guy. Like, he just looked shattered, and he was in a bad pattern. And he would come in. He, it doesn't even matter. Details don't matter. But point being is he looked like hell, man. And what was happening is he was having, struggling with insomnia, and and then he would get so tired during the day that he would force himself into a little nap, and then the insomnia would would take over the next night because the schedule was all off. And then he saw a sleep specialist, and the sleep specialist said, "Here's the rules: you're going to eat three regular meals a day. You are going to set your alarm clock for 6 a.m. Even if that means you get zero minutes of sleep, and you're going to work out every day." no matter what. And it's going to be the first thing you do in the morning, all the things you're going to do. And Robert for a week straight came walking into the gym at six 30 in the morning, looking like, like he had just been out on the town, right? Like he looked horrible. And he's like, I didn't sleep a minute last night. And we had a talk and he wasn't even making sense, honestly, at some point, somewhere around the end of that week, something changed. He forced himself to feel so tired and he wasn't allowed to take naps. Sorry, that's the other rule. Like, no naps. You go to bed at sometime between 8 and 10. You get the whole deal. Anyways, uh, changed his life. Changed this man's life. Now this dude strolls in after work. That's his routine. He looks like a new person. He's smiley, has energy, da-da-da. But all he did, point being, uh, he had a miserable week. He forced it. He had to shove it down his throat for a week. He sucked it up. And literally a week, week and a half later, he was actually a changed man that quickly, that quickly, week and a half. His, he forced himself into the pattern. He got his sleep. And suddenly this dude is like living life in a way he didn't even think possible. For years, he, could, he felt like shit because of this pattern. Well, what is that pattern to you? Yes. That pattern is if you set an alarm for four in the morning to work out, which sounds extreme to some people. I have a handful of clients who do it. I'm sure you do too. Of course, that's going to sound dreadful. Your kid's up at night. You had to work late. You get four hours of sleep. You're like, that's ridiculous. That's unhealthy. I'm not going to do that. I need my sleep. Well, you're right, but you're also dead wrong. You're dead wrong because guess what will happen? By day three or four of this, you're going to be so tired. You're going to make dinner, put the kids to bed, and you're going to be out at 845 with them. And you're going to get your first good night's sleep in a month. And you're still going to get up at four and still going to work out. Yes. And still going to feel good. And I could rant about that forever, but Robert was a really good example of that. And I'm going to tell him I talked about him today when I see him at the gym. Good. Yeah. And tell him that people have talked to me about it no less than two dozen times since that episode. He's having an impact on people. And what this all comes down to, I believe, is back to that having a like a hard-ass boss comment, which is people will go to their mindless work that they do not like, that on on Wednesday they start thinking about the weekend, And they have a miserable Sunday afternoon because they're already dreading going on Monday. But they still go. And it's that they fear the repercussions and the consequences more than they detest the task. They fear what will happen if they don't do it more than they don't want to do it. 
and that whatever that axe is hanging over their head does not happen internally intrinsically for their own workouts or whatever pattern it is in their life whether it's trying to stop addiction trying to stop cheating on a spouse trying to stop being mean with their kids when they're crabby trying to stop whatever it is trying to start a workout they don't fear the repercussion more than they don't like doing that that task that behavior and there needs to be a way where you conjure up some real accountability. And that's that's what it is. You have to force it. You have to make it so detestable to skip it that you wouldn't think of skipping it. Just like it's so uncomfortable to go into work late and have to explain to your boss that you'll actually go to work when you don't want to wake up. That same feeling, you might have to start with a negative emotion. And people will say, that is not healthy. You can't start by conjuring up. You shouldn't pair workout with a negative consequence in your mind. Well, what do we talk about with Miguel? No motivation gets you through to the finish line. Mm-hmm. We're not talking long-term fixes. We're talking a short-term fix that gets you out of the bed, that gets you to the gym or the treadmill or the trails, that starts momentum, and from there, momentum takes over. Yep. You're not going to have to hate yourself on day 45. You might have to hate yourself on day one. It's not healthy long-term, but we're not talking long-term. We are getting momentum started, and then it takes care of itself. Preach, brother. And you know what? I almost hate, not hate, God, that's a strong word. I already said I don't like that TikTok thing. I bet got to be careful. I dislike the word motivation because it's yes. deceitful. It's tricky. People think that motivation is the answer, right? And motivation is the the opposite of the answer discipline is the answer motivation is this garbage word that people think curates itself he's so motivated look at him out there look at her out there she's so motivated with her job or her kids no she's not he's not she's disciplined he's disciplined motivation is freaking fluff it is a joke and it's fleeting it doesn't last and motivation can be, we're going to motivate you. We're going to maybe inspire one or two people to set their alarm tomorrow morning. But that's garbage. Like that, what you feel right now is fake. It's not true and it doesn't last. And so motivation, that word motivation, people think it's like this magic cure-all or something like, oh, I'm so motivated. I need to be motivated. I can't get motivated. You're, you're already going down the wrong path when you're yes. focused on that. I can't get disciplined. I'm not disciplined. I can't stay disciplined. I can't figure out how to get disciplined. Well, there isn't. The answer is to become disciplined. (laughs) That simple. Anyways, that's a little bit of a rant, but the word motivation has always bothered me in that regard. Well, it's perfect because motivation inherently is external. I can't find motivation. You're transferring the onus to something outside of you. I can't get motivated. I can't find motivation. There's no motivation. But discipline, that's not on a shelf anywhere. Everyone understands that discipline is internal. And as soon as you make it an internal issue, now there's no other fingers to point. I'm not, I'm not disciplined. That's a letdown. And that's something that might inspire you. So I like to look at this, Kirk. Mm-hmm. Here, you, are you ready for an analogy here? Yeah. You, be, you can be a, use your analogies and I'll just rant when it feels appropriate. Good. How's that sound? Yeah. All right. Starting up. Kicking off any process, searching for dedication, discipline, motivation, it is like building a fire. 
It is really difficult to get a fire going if you don't know what you're doing. The hardest part is getting that first spark to stick. Mm -hmm. Once it's going, a fire is very, very easy to keep going. You just keep adding more wood at set regular intervals and it will burn as long as you keep adding to it. From time to time, you might have to rearrange it. You might even have to knock it down, move some of the old ash to the side, and you keep the hot coals in the middle and move some of the junk to the side and restack. But once it's going, it's going as long as you maintain it. Fire maintenance is much different than fire starting. And I'll tell you what, even in a downpour, a fire that is started, you can keep lit. Even during those tough times, it will. it's easier still to keep it lit than to start back from fresh. Because then it's just maintenance. Correct. In the worst of situations, as you well know, if you tend the fire, the fire will keep going. But starting up a fire in a downpour takes very specific materials and a little bit of luck. You need an accelerant of some point, which you usually don't have when you need it. But that's what mm -hmm. we're talking about. When people are looking for motivation, they're looking for an accelerant. Sure, take your accelerant. Start with your self-loathing if that's what it takes. I'm not a proponent of it, but I'm not against it either. Buy your new shoes. Join your new club. But understand this is the accelerant. This is just pouring lighter fluid on it. It's going to spark. You're going to be really fired up for an extremely short period of time. And if you haven't built the fire properly underneath there, and if you don't start tending it immediately, it's going to go right out. And then you start back over. But each time you start over, it's a little bit less effective. So this needs to be approached like a fire. You do what you have to do to get it started. But the understanding is that you must tend the fire and then it's easy. We watch people on TikTok, on Instagram, on YouTube doing their, how bad do you want it? Or you must want it as bad as you want to breathe and all that. But we're looking at people who are in the fire tending stage and it looks easy. They just say, you just do it. You get up every day and you do it because there is no other option. The job gets done. Mm -hmm. But we didn't watch their accelerant phase where they had to conjure up a fire to begin with. And everyone wants to get to the fire tending stage and have this beautiful roaring fire that it looks effortless to maintain. But everyone else gets stuck on how do we even get that spark to stick. It's a good analogy, Bracken. If you can make the guy making the fire naked... Like you're standing in the doorway analogy, nailed it. It's pretty important to get that fire started if you're naked, isn't it, folks? Yeah, it. <laughs> makes everything a little more desperate. Yeah. Um, good analogy. I think the, you know the, the question then on on that then is okay. Well, that means you have to create discipline, right? Mm -hmm. um, and sure, motivation can be the igniter that you dump on the fire and it gets that flame big initially, but that fire is going to dwindle down real quick. Right. Um, so motivation doesn't last. It's not, it's fleeting. So what, so we, what we should discuss then is how to create that discipline, right? How to enforce the facts. Like we're not going to say later because we're going to get it done right now. Um, and so creating discipline is kind of the key here. Right. Mm -hmm. And the key to creating discipline is creating a schedule, a schedule that is not broken by absolutely anything. And the age-old adage, and I know we're focusing a lot on morning workouts and all of that, but if you are the later means never type, you have one option. You have one singular option. You have zero other options, and that is the morning, and that is a schedule, and that is before life and kids and work and your bad day 
and I, your I don't want tos and the heat of the summer and all of that gets in the way, it's the morning and it's the schedule and it's starting that schedule. Well, I'm a night owl. Well, I, pref- I, I come alive at night. Well, I bet you can turn yourself into a coming alive in the morning pretty yeah. quick if you try. And if not, then that's your window. Then skipping that night window is your later means never. And we all have sure. a window. Sure. If you need, I don't buy it because I'm a night owl and I know that I'm better if I work out in the mornings. But if it is, you can't miss the window because then you won't do it in the morning because you're up so late and now you've got to push it to the next day. Yep. It's like, sure, lean into your excuse if you want, but you still only get one shot per day. You get one crack at it. Schedule. Schedule. It comes down to schedule. And it comes down to like just putting your shoes and clothes on without an emotion attached to it. It's the same thing like, you know, that analogy like or reference like, are you motivated to brush your teeth in the morning? Well, no, <laughs> I'm not motivated to brush my teeth. It's such a habit such a discipline that even when I'm in the biggest of hurries to get out the door, like I still make the the time to do that because it's so ingrained in my process that of course I'm going to brush my teeth in the morning before I head out for the day. Like that's just like putting my, my underwear on, right. And getting ready to go. Like I have to do those things and working out actually becomes the exact same thing. Um, but it's developed. I mean, how many years have you been brushing your teeth? Well, since I can remember, right. And it's the same thing with, with working out, and I don't know why it's such a hard concept for people people to grasp sometimes. Like for those people who are in the later means never crowd, like what do you what do you think they're missing? Like what do you what do you think's actually getting in the way? I think it's experience. We talk about the toothbrushing thing. It is logical to every single person who's listening to this because they're adults. But I'm watching it from the other set of eyes, which is my kids. We have our youngest just turned five today. And so that's young enough that we still have to say each day, did you brush your teeth? And you go, ah, roll the eyes, throw the slump the shoulders, Mm -hmm. stomp upstairs, and then ask always, why do I have to do this? Well, our 10-year-old's old enough to understand that his breath will be bad if he doesn't. Mm -hmm. But he's still motivated externally Mm -hmm. where someone smells my breath and said, Brayden, Did you brush your teeth this morning? He's like, no, and he'll go upstairs. But he understands that's embarrassing. Eventually, by the time he's probably 11 or 12, he's going to not want to have that feeling of his his breath bad because he knows that that's unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Right now, he's in stage two. He'll get to stage three, which is I myself wouldn't want my breath to be like that or my mouth to feel that way. He's currently in the I don't want someone else to smell it and I'll be embarrassed. And she's currently in the, why do I have to? Mm-hmm. So you have to go through those logical steps, which is, I don't understand why I need to do this. There's more pleasing things to do, but I'll do it because I'm told to. And then you get to, I'm going to do it so I avoid being told to. And then eventually you get to, I value this more than I value skipping it. And I think everyone has to go through those three stages. No matter what age you are, if that's your weakness, you still have to go through those three stages. Yeah, well, I understand that if I don't brush my teeth, my mouth will feel icky for the rest of the day, and I won't feel like my best, right? And the same thing is like if I push off my workout till later, I understand I'm going to feel like it's looming over my head. It's going to be this dark storm cloud I haven't gotten to yet. It creates a whole different vibe to your day. And then you understand that 
we could just remove that whole feeling associated with it, that whole weight of getting your workout done that follows you around all day, which is actually pretty heavy for a lot of people. Like, oh, I got to get this in when I'm done with work. Oh, I got to get this in when I'm done with my kids' soccer games this weekend. Oh, it just like looms. It's like this impending doom feeling for a lot of people. Like, oh, it ruins their entire day. Just like, you know, you got to go to work on a Monday morning and you let it ruin your Sunday. It literally ruins your entire day in a way because you feel a certain way about having to still get it done. And it's like, God, it's so freeing to just check that box. It's so freeing. It opens the, up the rest of your day to whatever else needs to be done. And I know not everybody else is wired the way I am or maybe the way you are. I understand that other people's priorities lie in different areas. Like maybe they need to get their whatever it is, their work done to feel good. That would loom over their head more, right? Mm -hmm. But still, so I understand that working out is the number one priority for everybody listening, but um, it still comes down to schedule and discipline as far as getting it done. And if you're listening to this podcast, you care enough about your fitness that you'll find a way I'm just trying to figure out a way around like the, cause it's so easy and cheap to point people to the mornings, right? It's so easy, but it's, it's true. I'm trying to find ways around that. Like if there's like the people that say, I am not a morning person. I just want to smack them around and be like, yeah, you, you can be. Yeah. And, and you know what? I think you can force people to be. Yeah. But I'd almost initially say like, forget it, whatever, have your window. But instead of if I miss my window, I've missed my chance for the day. It's I hit my window. Like one's a preparing for defeat mindset. And the other one is accepting that defeat's not an option. Oh, that my workout window is from 12 to one thirty each day. We have an office gym. I can take a long lunch. Well, then you don't miss it. You don't miss it. Not, Oh, if I don't get it done then, then, you know, I get home and I have to make dinner and then it's time with kids. And then I'm, I'm too tired. Well, then you don't miss it. Like morning obviously solves everyone's issues, except for the people that start work at five in the morning and or whatever it is. Some people, it just actually doesn't work. I still think everyone should try to get as much done as early as possible because you're right. That feeling of anything looming, whether it's work, uh, a hard conversation, uh, a bill, looming anything is poisonous to your body. Mm-hmm. You just it it infects everything you do throughout the day. So you want to remove the feeling of something looming and you want to replace it with the reward of, I got it done ahead of time. Deadlines are horrific for most people. So remove the deadline by getting it out of the way. You know, I've done this um, twice now with clients um, or athletes in the last year, and it seems to be very effective. And so I'm going to give somebody this advice who's listening, who still is like, I'm not buying this morning thing, or I start work at... 5 a.m. And that means I'd have to get up at 2 a.m. And I just want to be alive and awake when everybody else is instead of going to bed at 6 p.m., for example. Mm-hmm. So um, what you need to do and this tech t- uh, technique is very effective is you want to lay out your schedule for the week. Uh, you could write. I like to write it down because it resonates better with me versus like an Excel document. But you write out Monday through Sunday and you write out the time obligations you have every single day. What's it? kids soccer practice, church work, whatever it may be, doctor's appointment, you write it all out. And then what you do after all of that is you actually put in your schedule when your window is for that day. Maybe you're somebody with a varying schedule and and it's just the way life is. And so you actually schedule it into your planner and you, whatever it takes, highlight it, asterisk it, whatever it is. And every day you have a plan. Okay. My window is from 
7.30 to 9.30 on Monday morning, but it's only from 7 to 8.30 p.m. on Tuesday night. And so I've gone through with clients and I said, every week I need you to send me your schedule and I need you to highlight for me when you are going to work out that day. Without exception, you're not scheduling meetings. You're not going to entertain social plans. Like this is your window. And so they'll send me that and then we follow up with that. And then we've done that week in and week out. Here's your window. It's highlighted. I have it in my schedule actually. So that is sacred time. And uh, for both those people, this worked out very well. And to the point in which they developed that habit and have I have had to stop babysitting them in that regard. And so if you're one of those people, I highly suggest writing your week out that way and then actually writing it. No matter what comes up, you're going to schedule it around that free time because that's your window. And so I suggest people do that if, it, if they're one that struggles with schedule or they're one of the disorganized humans, which some people just are. Mm-hmm. Piece of advice. Yeah, and that's it. And you, and you hit upon the scheduling piece and you hit upon the accountability piece. If you've proven not to be trustworthy with self-accounting, you need to hire an external accountant. Mm. That is non-negotiable. So you cannot treat your own workouts any different. Like if you're not to be trusted, you're not to be trusted. And then you find someone. It doesn't matter if it's your spouse, if it's a coach, if it's a buddy, if it's just someone from a local gym or whatever. It's you make a pact that for the next, let's say, 30 days, Every day you have to check in and announce whether you did your workout or not. Mm -hmm. And that oftentimes is enough. Why will you meet your buddy for a workout Monday, Wednesday, Friday and sleep in Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday? The only difference is that he or she is there. That's it. And so you fabricate that experience until it's no longer needed. And maybe it's always needed, but just in a lesser degree. Maybe it's someone you chat each week about training. It doesn't matter what it is, but you, if your boss is the only thing keeping you coming to work on time, then you have to find a sort of workout boss. You, you must have something that's going to be the accelerant early on to get your fire started. And then you're going to learn how to fire 10 throughout it because everyone does. But you have to decide what level of intervention is required to get me started. Because it doesn't matter how you feel week one. We've already established that. It doesn't matter how you feel getting out of bed. You just do it. And then your rest of your life will adapt. It's going to go from, oh, if I get up and I and I fell asleep so late. I was up till midnight last night. If I get up at five, I'm going to be so tired throughout the day. And then I was looking forward to watching a show at night. I'm not going to be able to watch that. And then it's just like this bad cycle. It eventually is going to morph into... I'm going to be really tired today and think how early I get to fall asleep tonight. Mm-hmm. Like you start actually looking forward to those other things. And it doesn't mean you lose your life. You don't lose your social life. It morphs to fit your needs. And the bigger your goal is, the more you're going to want it to morph to fit your needs. And I think I think the big thing that we you just sort of uh, touched on again, and we just need to sort of pound home is is the Robert sleep scenario where it is, like expect like change is uncomfortable and that means mm-hmm. creating discipline and changing your schedule is uncomfortable and that means you're going to be sacrificing other areas of your life at least in the beginning which could mean sleep or it could mean social time or it could mean whatever it might be the extra night hours you spend on work that you really don't need to whatever it may be um like it's easy to glorify like this discipline thing and you're going to get up and it's going to be glorious and eventually you're going to fall into habit but like changing it and starting it kind of sucks and it can suck mm-hmm. right away. But like, 
eventually it like starts to not suck and it just starts to be what it is. It starts to just be. And kind of like that little clip I played, I don't know how the audio came through, but um, you don't have a thought about it anymore. It just is what it is. It actually becomes brushing your teeth. And I know that's cheap and I know that sounds silly, but you just got to get through the growing pains of that schedule change first, whatever it may be. Um, yes. Just plan on uncomfortability, plan on sacrificing. You're going to feel like it's not even sustainable in the beginning. You're going to feel like this is, I can't like possibly do this. And then you break free, just like you feeling like old man cracker right now feeling like you can't like, Oh, my body's breaking down in this. You're going to have a turning point. You know, you will. And yeah. suddenly you're going to be like, Oh my God, this feels great. And it'll happen. And it usually does it in will. the first week, week and a half. Yep. And when you're starting to build a fire, you're on your hands and knees. You're sweating. The bugs are biting you where your shirt's riding up in the back and they're getting your, they're buzzing around your face and you're dripping sweat and you're cursing at the fire. Cause it generally doesn't go as smooth as you want. And you think, oh, why, if this is how it always was, I wouldn't even do campfires. But eventually you're tending it from your chair with a drink in your hand because all it requires is you to kick a log over mm -hmm. or use the tongs. You don't even have to get up to do it. But if you had to get down on your hands and knees and rework that whole process every single time the fire started to die down a little bit, people wouldn't do campfires for fun or even for warmth. They'd find a different way to do it. But you can maintain it if you go through the uncomfortable part, it will not be like that forever. And if it is, you're doing it wrong. Like if you have to restart your fire on your hands and knees every 25 minutes, you're doing it wrong. If you do it right, it's uncomfortable until it's not. And suddenly you're kicked back, tending the fire, kind of just reaping your rewards. And that's the really, really important part to get to because otherwise it's not worth doing all that uncomfortable work early on if you don't ever get a reward for that. It's difficult to start the fire, but it's reasonable to maintain it. So dang yeah. sure, man. So dang sure. Um, do you have any other, like, I feel like we could end up talking ourselves in circles with this, right? Um, do you have any other points of conversation or anecdotal things that we, we want to get to with this? Yeah. If you're not the disciplined person, if you need external motivation to get started, I oftentimes think that you're choosing the wrong goal. You know, I've talked about this on here before, mm -hmm. but when my motivation or my discipline lags, it's because there's nothing in front of me that excites or frightens me enough to counter wanting to not do it. Mm -hmm. Eventually you have to come to grips with the fact that either I actually don't want to work out. Like it's just not important to me or my goal that I've chosen is just kind of, boring or dull to me and then you either have to swing big with a goal that frightens you or you need to get creative and choose a goal that excites you but sometimes it's as simple as having the right goal in front of you is your kindling is your fire accelerant and then you get to d develop your discipline along the way but sometimes that is just signing up for the right thing and it doesn't have to be a race it can be a competition amongst friends. It could be see who can log whatever hours this month or not miss however many days in a row. It can be joining some sort of app-based platform where there's a leaderboard that shows who's skipped days and who hasn't. It can be signing up for an incredibly arduous journey, adventure race. It could be a nasty mountain race. It could be something that's way outside your realm. It doesn't matter what it is. Sometimes the goal is what matters until you can develop and forge your own discipline. 
Well, you bring up a really good point. Um, and that is what if you are that athlete or person who's feeling lost in your goals or in what's coming up, nothing seems to light, light a fire. I feel like there's probably a few people listening in that camp. Like I feel lost right now and I don't even know. And that bleeds into your training for sure. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you, how do you dissect that? Because I have a hard time answering that question when somebody feels lost. Like, do you just throw something at the wall and like at least pick something and then see if you can conjure up some excitement for it? Or I guess it's like, do you force, do you force something on your calendar? Or do you not? I think, um, that's a, a tough one. I haven't been able to answer perfectly for a couple of people recently. Like what do, what are your tips and tricks for that? Because I know you've been through it. No, I don't think you force it. I think you force activity. You force your daily schedule. You force that. But this is a little bit more like meeting someone. Like maybe you're you're the person who's gone, you went through, you lost a loved one or you divorced or you just never got out there. You force yourself to start looking again, to start dating, to start meeting people. But you don't choose someone until it sparks some emotion in you. And that's how I look at goals. Like you've got to set your alarm clock and get up and do it. But the whole time you're scrolling on your screen and trying to find an event. And the moment you find something that just lights something inside you that, and it could be, that looks awesome or that looks impossible or that's terrifying or that's a really cool location. That would make a great vacation as well. Whenever you feel that spark for the first time, that's when you know you're ready. But prior to, like, it has to be paired with the forcing into the pattern. Both, both have to be simultaneous. I agree. In training, like I have been, uh, it's no secret, I haven't raced since the beginning of July. Uh, I was training hard. Honestly, what workout just felt exciting for me that day? I've been doing that whole model every week. Like what feels right? What do I just, what interests me enough to just get through this next hard workout? Suddenly I started hitting a bunch of good workouts and I'm like, I want a 5k time trial. Like it just popped in. Mm -hmm. Like I was just, I was working out. I was showing up for myself every day, hitting good quality stuff without anything in the horizon. And then I got some momentum and some excitement built through my training. And then said, I need to hit a 5k time trial. I want to hit a 5k time trial and that'll happen. The next thing will end up popping up for me. I'm going to keep training. And suddenly I'm going to be like, God, I want to do this now. Because I've earned that right through my training. I didn't know it was going to end up in a adult life PR in the 5K a few weeks before. I was just training. I was just showing up for myself. And then that excited me. That prospect excited me. And that's the same thing that happens in training is you just keep showing up and doing the work. And eventually something's going to be like, God, I want to use this fitness I'm, I've gained. And, and it, will, it will pop itself up. That's typically mm -hmm. how it works. That's how it works for me anyways. Yeah. And a safe way of doing it is piggyback on someone else's adventure if you're really unsure. Yeah. Find a buddy who's doing something and train for it with that buddy. Because I would say every single time I've ever known two people to go do an event, one shows up more prepared than the other. Mm -hmm. Every single time. I can't think of a single situation where I've known someone who's shown up in the exact same level of preparedness as their friend to do this task. And so you you join for the task and you just show up every day for yourself saying, I'm not going to be the unprepared one. It's going to be real embarrassing if I'm out there and I just have to pull the plug or I'm cramping or I can't keep up. I want to be the one that has the luxury of choosing to wait for my friend if I want to. Mm -hmm. So I, I like the idea of signing up in conjunction with someone else that 
either does or doesn't matter to you. It can be a stranger. And sometimes that's even better. Met someone on a running forum and they're doing this. Let's, let's go do that race together. Or it can be your best friend or someone in the middle. It doesn't matter, but use that person as a real easy litmus test for how am I progressing? You ask yourself each morning, all right, am I prepared to lay in bed and cramp while my friend hikes away from me up in this mountain? Or do I want to be able to guide them through or keep up the whole time? That's a, that's a much easier decision than should I work out or not? It's do I want to be embarrassed or not? Do I want to be able to pull my weight or not? I think an accountability partner is what you're really outlining too is, is huge. It's absolutely huge. And it's a vulnerable thing to say, hey, buddy, can you... Can you help me out here? Like, I want to check in with you every day. And sure, you're putting a, a you're bearing a load on somebody else for your own progression, but um, that's okay to ask for help sometimes in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not a shameful thing. So we hopefully, if you're listening and struggling uh, to develop discipline, you have somebody in your life you can think of that you can say, "Hey, I really need this." Can you help me? Can I text you every night before bed telling you I got my workout done? Or can I send you a screenshot of my watch every day? And can you hold me to this? I really need this. Um, mm-hmm. uh, if you got a good friend, they're going to be more than happy to do it for you. In fact, they're going to want to do it for you. So I think I think that's pretty accountable. Me and you use each other that way sometimes. I know you have with time trials in the past, but if that's what it takes, like I know we're being, I'm being a little, we can be a little hard on you. Like create the discipline, get up, suck it up. Don't be a loser, right? Well, that's all well and good, but then creating an actionable plan is also important as well. And so that accountability partner is huge. I have some people really benefiting from that on the nutrition front right now. Accountability with me, clients and athletes who need some help in that regard, getting in touch very often. And, uh, so I think, I think you're spot on with that signing up with somebody or at least having an accountability partner. And I've seen this with a lot of other athletes and I have done this myself where I have people in my life who I could actually have as workout partners but they're training for something that is not what I would normally do. And so I'll say, well, that's not even totally beneficial. I don't want to go pound pavement every day to run with him, or I don't want to just go spend four days a week in the weight room with this person, or this person's doing a ton of cycling. I don't even need that. And I would say early on, that is complete and utter nonsense. It makes logical sense in your brain. They're not training for what I want to train for. So I'll do it myself, but doing it yourself hasn't worked. So do you want 100% of something or 0% of your own thing? What I believe now, and I, it, it took me a while to get here, is go join anything your friend is doing if it's consistent. Because A, it's going to be better than what you're not doing. And B, people's training tends to bleed into each other. If you're going to CrossFit with your buddy four times a week to start with, eventually he's going to start running with you. And you're going to start doing more non-impact cardio because there's going to be access to machines. And then you're going to find that you're going to have that your action begets more action. If you're getting up at 6 a.m. to go to the CrossFit box with him, even if CrossFit isn't your thing and you think they're all douchebags and you don't want to get into the paleo lifestyle, you think they're all (laughs) just going to preach at you, go do it anyway. You're going to find out that most of them are pretty awesome people anyway, but you're more likely to get a run in afterwards because you're already doing something. So I don't think that you need to be cautious about joining someone else's activity. Even if you have this perfect plan, you've scripted out, I'm going to do this compromise run Saturday, and I'm going to do this long run the next Saturday and this hill workout. If your buddy is going out to do a different workout, just go join him early on. Because remember, this is just getting the fire started. The perfect plan that you don't follow 
is not going to be as good as a poor plan that you nail every day. So go join other people's activities and it's actually going to lead to you doing more of your chosen activity. You're just going to be more well-rounded and happy for it. Action of any kind feels and spawns more action. It is so true. And if that means doing something that isn't very specific, you don't believe to what you think your goals are, I could not agree with you more. Action fuels more action. Momentum fuels more momentum. Yeah, Christ, you could be an endurance athlete doing Zumba. It could be that obscure. Yes. But yet somehow it bleeds into your training. And that is a beautiful thing. I've experienced that a number of times. Um, I used to teach at Orange Theory Fitness and I would was forced to hop into classes uh, in the ramp up phase uh, when I was working there and suddenly like I was doing these hybrid strength treadmill workouts that I would never have done on my own. This is well before OCR. And not only that, suddenly my fitness was popping and I was motivated to do, it was just like really mm -hmm. bizarre. And I didn't even realize what was happening. I was doing something I didn't think was very specific at all. Suddenly my 5k time was getting faster and I was like, what the heck is going on? Why well, was, I was moving all the freaking time. Yeah. And it, and it got me excited. So Zumba. I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but back when I first injured my knee, this would have been probably 2012, 2011 maybe. My time frame is hazy. I had done a race, a Spartan race, went out and did the world champs that year, decided I may or may not do this again. And then I went several months without running because I had tore something or damaged something in my knee. Didn't want to get it checked out, figured I was just done with everything. But I was coaching basketball, and after a while, I was healthy enough to get up and down court with the guys, but I just was feeling a little crappy doing so. And I was starting to feel a little weaker, and I didn't have quite the level of endurance. I could like If you had two or three up-down, up-down transitions, suddenly I was getting that indoor track feeling. Mm -hmm. So I started lifting a little bit more to strengthen my knee so that I could play basketball more so I wasn't as sore. And then I started doing a little bit of like bro tabata stuff to try to up my fitness and what that led to was if i'm going to do that on a spin bike i might as well run it on a treadmill and what ended up happening is wanting to play basketball led to the fitness center led back to running and like what eight months later i was on the podium at spartan world championships wild i didn't set out to make the podium i didn't even set out to run but i set out to do an activity with the guys i was coaching every single day and it led to my only to date spartan world championship podium so point being, it doesn't matter what you set out to do if it is a physical activity. You're going to get where you're supposed to be eventually anyway. You're just going to have more momentum in doing so. I could not agree more. I've seen that play out a number of times in my life. Uh, last thing about this I want to say before we like continue to beat a dead horse is that if you are the lone wolf type athlete um, and you're also the lone wolf type athlete who later means never oftentimes that is a tough tough combination and i know that that hits probably checks the the boxes for a number of people listening um because our sport is just inherently full of lone wolf athletes it's more convenient to do things on your own recreating a schedule is tough it's going to be uncomfortable already so let's just get super uncomfortable which means like join a running group join something or somebody else Make it a plan to go do somebody else's. I don't like running with people. They run too fast or they run too slow. And I'm going to be going hard on my recovery days because they're faster than me. Or I'm going to have to go slower than I typically want because they're slower than me. Like, who cares? Who cares? Like, if we're going to get uncomfortable, let's go all, all in, man. And let's like, yeah. let's join a running group or let's seek out a partner as we talked about. 
because that will get the ball rolling. And so getting out of those lone wolf tendencies, which a lot of people have, I'm starting to develop those, I think, as I become like older. I just want to do it my way on time, but I don't have a problem mm-hmm. with putting my shoes on. So um, I think that's one of those things you got to get out in your comfort zone in two ways. Set a schedule and then find people to help yeah. you be accountable. And you'll be shocked. It's going to suck at first. You're going to hate it. And then eventually it's going to become your routine. And you're going to be like, oh. Like change is hard, especially as you get older. You hate everything new and change, right? <laughs> it's just how it works. So anyways, lone wolf, uh, my advice is to to really fight that urge to be that lone wolf. And I think that will help a lot. As someone who spent the better part of the last 12 years, maybe 14 training alone, I believe that there's a bit of a fallacy to being a lone wolf. I think it works right up until it doesn't. Sure. And I believe that you have to earn the right to be a lone wolf. I was a great lone wolf for a while. And then it just wears on you and it gets old. And now I need a support system until I can be a lone wolf again. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you got a, you got a broken wing. You got to go <laughs> and the DNR has got to take care of you a little bit before you can go back out in the wild and spread it out and soar again. That's just the way it works. You've got to earn the right to be a lone wolf because lone wolves have no one to, to rely on. And so they must survive on their own. And if you're currently not able to survive on your own, then you need the pack for a little bit. And maybe eventually you'll go back to being a lone wolf and maybe you won't. But either way, you have to earn the option to go back out alone. Your analogies today are just poetry, Bracken. <sighs> I'm clicking. Poetry in motion. You really are. I'm stumbling over my words, and you're just seamlessly flowing. It's nice. Um, okay. What else? Anything? I'm satisfied. I think we got no. our point across. Let's wrap it up. I, I think uh, this is going to – I'm going to create an accountability for myself right now by asking the running public to do me a favor. I've been putting off ordering more t-shirts for you guys. I simply just need to do it. It's not that hard. It's discipline I'm lacking in regards to ordering more t-shirts. And I want to know what color t-shirts you guys want. We're going to get a couple or a few, maybe two, three, four traditional running public t-shirt options for you. And I want to know what colors you would like to see. We're going to get the traditional yellow, and then we're going to get probably two or three more options. So if you want to slide into our DMs, or maybe we'll put a poll up. Because if I start seeing you guys telling us what colors you want to get in, I'm going to have to go order them. So there's my accountability post. I got discipline with my working out. I don't got discipline with t-shirt ordering, Bracken. So there you have it. Well, what do we need to do here? You created your accountability, and now you got to go get uncomfortable. (laughs) I really hate walking into that t-shirt place, so you're right. Smells like ink in there. It's terrible. Yeah. Well, Kirk, I'm off to Bay Beach. Got a five-year-old birthday to go rock. That sounds amazing. Happy birthday, little one. It's today is the day. Yep. Mira Lee Crocker turns five today. She's out of her gourd with excitement. Almost a teenager. There's that real big slide there. You get to go down on on carpets, and then there's also the the wildlife sanctuary over there. You can go look at some animals too. I was not aware that that is a thing. Oh, it is a it is a thing. There's animals right there, right? There's it's adjacent to bit just across the road. It'd be a fantastic little day. Well, these girls are obsessed with animals, so we will be there. All right. Well, I, I don't know if today was ranty or if it was fluffy or if it was helpful, but I hope somebody got something out of it. People heard what they needed to hear. <laughs> the ones who needed to hear it. Now it's on them. Follow up with us if you end up changing your your life and finding that discipline. We'd love to hear about it. All right, good luck. You're gonna need it. Yes, you will. See you later. And this episode of The Running Public is brought to you by us and The Running Public Training Plan.
This running plan has everything we ever talk about on any Training Tuesday, all compiled into one all-encompassing training plan. Now, it's an OCR-specific training plan, but 95% of this is just running. So it doesn't matter if you're training for an OCR or a marathon or whatever. It all is in there. Speed work, threshold, hill work, up, down, long run, long qualities, and plenty of compromised running. Everything we talk about is just waiting for you. That's right. The hardest part about creating your own training schedule is deciding what to do the next day or that day. We take care of that for you, which I think is worth the uh, $19.99 a month in itself. It's cheap, right? And you can cancel at any time. If you've been curious about it or you don't know how to put together all the knowledge we share on the podcast into your own training plan, it's a no-brainer. Where can people go find this uh, this training plan and get signed up, Bragging? On our beautiful website, therunningpublic.com, $19.99 a month, cancel anytime you want.